If you've got your Bibles with you, you might like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, the last verse in 1 Corinthians 13. My text is chapter 14, verse 1, but we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. So now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This verse in 1 Corinthians 14.1 is really the verse that I want to hopefully impart into your hearts this evening. Different translations. Some, one translation puts it, and this is the one I've got on the screen behind me, not follow after love, but pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts. Isn't that amazing? Pursue love, desire the spiritual gifts. Such a short statement. But within that short statement, pursue love and desire earnestly the gifts, I believe we have the next coming revival, in a nutshell. That's what I believe will bring the final, or hopefully the the final end-time revival will be based on a pursuit of love, but also a desire of the spiritual gifts. Now let's just back off that passage for a moment, that scripture for a moment, to say, well, what is the context that Paul was speaking to at that time. Well, he was speaking to a charismatic Pentecostal church, the Corinthians. But you probably know, if you've ever read Corinthians, that there was great trouble in this church. Because although it was moving very powerful in all the gifts of the Spirit, we'll mention what they are in a moment, all these supernatural gifts of the Spirit, uh, they were very, very fleshly, very, very carnal. Uh, They were not pursuing love or following the ways of love at all. They weren't even interested in the questions of love. In fact, there was all kinds of immorality going on. Uh, People were fighting over who was the greatest in the kingdom, who had the greatest power, who was more anointed, who had a greater following, who was the person that they should follow. Was it Peter or was it Paul? Uh, All these kinds of fleshly things were going on in this charismatic Pentecostal church. And Paul addressed these issues head on. He affirmed the gifts and and, and explained even more about how the gifts of the Holy Spirit would work. But we know that in 1 Corinthians 12, he speaks about the spiritual gifts. But then we see this huge big corrective in 1 Corinthians 13, where he speaks about love. So 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, love. And then 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. They are two wings of the the same airplane, if you like, that Paul wanted to fly. And uh, when we look at the love that he was talking about, we find out that to pursue the gifts or to desire spiritual gifts, what are we talking about? Well, we're, we're talking about at least the nine gifts that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, if you're not 
uh, au fait with these gifts, just turn there now. And you'll see that what we have in the, in the gifts, we have the, the power gifts, they call them. In other words, we have the gift of miracles, the gift of faith to do remarkable things, and the gift of healing. We also have such word uh, and revelation gifts. We have prophecy. We have the word of wisdom. We have the word of knowledge. And then we have speaking in tongues in a, in, in, in a setting where there's interpretation of tongues. And then finally, we have the discerning of spirits. There's more gifts of the Holy Spirit than that, but those are the nine that are focused on there. Each one of them are supernatural. Each one of them are miraculous. And often in church history or recent church history, we've heard that some churches focus on the gifts, that's what people say, where other churches focus on the fruit. And it is true to say that in some charismatic circles or Pentecostal circles, far too much attention has been given to producing miraculous power gifts than to love. But it's not fair to say that the churches that don't manifest the gifts of the Spirit or speak on the gifts of the Spirit therefore are love churches. Because one thing that we must grasp right from the beginning is this, is that love, God's love and the love that Paul is talking about is as supernatural as any of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit that I've just mentioned, they come from the Holy Spirit. It's his working of them through our lives. But the love that Paul is talking about, and I'll look at that in a moment in 1 Corinthians 3, that's not a human love. That's not, that's not something that any human can have. This is what they call agape love. You know the Greek word agape was used in the New Testament? It's hardly ever used outside the New Testament. It's almost like it was a word that was brought forth to explain what, what we would call the God kind of love. It is God, or God is love, agape. It comes from God, and anybody that has this agape love, that love has been imparted and worked through their lives. So love, love that we're talking about is supernatural. The love that God wants us to receive, and also the love that God wants us to show, especially one another, is supernatural. It is as supernatural as a word of knowledge. It is as supernatural as a prophecy. It is as supernatural as a miracle. It's time to understand that love is not just human affection. This love is supernaturally birthed by God in our lives. Now, what does this love, love look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 has a description of it. I'll go to that in a moment. If you also want to see how to live the life of love by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might go to Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. There you have the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. These types of things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. These Beatitudes, these are actually a description of a Christian who's moving in the supernatural love of God. We also have what we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You find that in Galatians chapter 5. And it says that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. You see, the love 
that Paul is speaking about that's needed here when he says pursue love or follow love. It's not human love. It comes from God. It's empowered by God. It's birthed and taught and imparted by God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And just like we have the nine gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, so we find that there are the nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Although they're not really nine, because there is love and then the other eight fruit of the Spirit, because notice it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the other fruits that come after love, they are describing what God's love looks like. So God's love is joyful. God's love is peaceable. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love is generous. God's, God's love is disciplined. God's love is gentle. This is what God's loves look like. Because let's face it, today, when you tell somebody uh, what is love, well, everybody has an opinion on what love is, from some sort of emotional attraction to... But, but these are descriptions here. Also, you could, if you wanted to, go to James. James speaks about wisdom from above. And again, James is speaking about what love looks like. Here in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about what love is. And uh, verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself and is not puffed up. Does not behave itself improperly. Seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are prophecies, they shall fail. If there are tongues, they shall cease. I like the message version of what I just read, and I'm going to read that to you, because that also gives us a sort of understanding about what this God kind of love that is supernatural, as supernatural as the gifts of the Spirit is like. The message version. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want, want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Isn't that wonderful? That's, that's the message version. You can Google that and get hold of it. And so ju just talking a little bit about, about the characteristic of love, you can see immediately that that, that that is a picture of who God is, a picture of how Jesus lived and ministered and how he ministers even now in praying for us. But also you can see that these kinds of characteristics are, are not human characteristics in the sense of we can work them out ourselves or that we could go to people of any religion or none and say, hey, you're able to live these kinds of characteristics. 
I suppose there could be a low-level human version of some of these things, but this is where we get mistaken. Somebody says, oh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. Oh, well, even before I was a Christian, I was quite a patient person. I could stand in a big queue in McDonald's and, and wait to get my burger. I wouldn't get, I was a patient person before. I must have had the fruit of the Holy Spirit before I was saved. No, 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 no. When you become a Christian, God will put you in situations and positions where whatever human patience you have will not, okay, some of you have already been there, will not meet the need. You're going to need a patience that is worked in you from God and empowered in you from God. You know, speaking about pursuing love and seeking the gifts of the Spirit, let me say another thing, that the fruit of the Spirit are as magnificent, magnificent in their impact as the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes people tend to think of the gifts of the Spirit, and they are pretty, can be pretty spectacular and pretty sensational, although never get the supernatural mixed up with the sensational or the spectacular, because sometimes the supernatural is working very, very powerful, but it's neither spectacular nor sensational. That's a lesson for Pentecostals. But, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit can, can have incredible, incredible impact, just like a miracle can bring a healing instantly, or a prophecy can just open someone's heart up to the Lord, or a word of knowledge can bring release and, and, and healing, and, and, and faith can just bring the breakthrough in the instant, instant that it's needed. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as God grows the fruit organically in the soil of our heart, so that fruit can have tremendous impact on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and even more important, the people we can come, come into contact with. Have you ever met an amazing Christian? Think, don't answer. Think about it. Have you ever met, I mean, not, not just a great guy, a great girl, a lovely person, someone you, you're really connected to, but someone who, when you met them and spent time with them, not talking about great preacher or, or someone who sings a great song from the platform. That, that can hide many things on the inside. But someone you've met and you've thought to yourself, wow, look how that person handled that situation. Look at how that person forgave. Look at how that person just trusted God when everything went wrong. I don't think I could have trusted God when I saw what happened. Have you ever seen someone living the life of loving God and loving others? Have you ever seen somebody give their life for somebody else? Whether that be in an instant or whether that could be someone caring for someone who's disabled and giving their life to a disabled grandma or something, giving it up and just caring for someone who can't care for themselves because of the love of God. You know what I'm saying? Think about these. These, these things are powerful. They're, they're more powerful, I even believe, than a miracle. More powerful than a faith breakthrough. I tell you, when the fruit of the Holy Spirit are operating... It is going to turn the world upside down. And it has in the past. In the early Christian times, people would look at the Christians who are non-Christians going, what is going on here? See how they love one another. There's something going on here that we don't have in our pagan society. Uh, the way Jesus himself said that we would not be defined by spiritual gifts, but he said, uh, they will know you're my disciples by the... By the 
um, by the culture that you have amongst yourselves, that you love one another. So this is something that Paul was trying to explain to the Corinthians who had hardly any love at all. You have to read and find the sort of stuff that they were up to. They were a loveless church filled with loveless Christians, and yet they had incredibly powerful services. They had preachers who, who could preach the hind legs off a donkey. I mean, they had the best preachers you could ever imagine, and they were always arguing over who was the best preacher. You see that at the beginning, I'm Apollo, I'm, I'm Paul. They, they lacked no spiritual gift. They had it all, except they didn't have love or the fruit of love. And I think that Paul is amazing in how kind he was to them because they're in such a terrible, ridiculous, fleshly place. But you know, he spoke to them, he affirmed what he could affirm of God in them. He didn't totally dismiss them. He didn't say you're not even born again. He knew that born again people could be very, very mature, but also very, very immature or what he calls carnal or fleshly. He tried to find in the Corinthians what was God and affirm it. We should always do that. But at the same time, he cared enough to confront and show what was lacking. And he said what was lacking was love. Also, what does it profit us in this world if we are not growing in the God kind of supernatural love in our hearts? What will it profit us? In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, can you imagine that? Imagine if God imparted to me a gift of prophecy where I could understand all mysteries tonight, read all your mail. You know what I'm saying? I just look at you and I can find out everything I want about you. Can you imagine if I began to move in that and, and the wow sort of reaction that there would be? Uh, or, or imagine further on, if I have faith that I could remove all mountains, if I, could, if I had such f the gift of faith that I could release breakthroughs into every life, whatever it was, instantaneously... I'll probably be on every Christian channel that you could ever imagine within days. There would be an appetite in stadiums for that kind of power, wouldn't there? Wouldn't there? There would. Or, 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 or if I gave all my goods to feed the poor and let you know about it, would I, would I be seen as, as somebody who was selfless because he gave all his money? He was like a Bill Gates but didn't have Bill Gates' money to give away. Would I be applauded? Uh, what, what if I said, I believe in this doctrine so much, I'm prepared to go to the stake for it, like they used to in, in the olden days. And, and I said, I will not recant, and then they end up being burnt. Would you say, wow, this guy, this guy is amazing. Yet Paul says, yet if you don't have love, it doesn't profit you anything. Notice that he says that. He says, it doesn't profit me anything. It, it, you say, well, it might bless others around you. Well, it would if I had a healing power that God gave me to go into a hospital one evening and empty it. People would be blessed, wouldn't they? You see, people were being blessed by the spiritual gifts here. It's, it's amazing who God will use in the spiritual gifts. But the problem is often spiritual gifts have been, as a, been seen by Pentecostals and Charismatics as a sign of holiness and maturity. 
So the greater the manifestation of miracles and healings and signs and wonders, it is automatically assumed that that person is a mature Christian by many, many people. Automatically assumed, assumed but yet scripture tells us the reverse that the Corinthians that lacked no supernatural power were, were hardly babies in the faith. Paul said to, said to them, I should be feeding you fillet steak. But instead, I've got to come to you with the milk bottle again. And yet they were having the most incredible charismatic services. Why would God use carnal people in spiritual gifts? Because the gifts are not for the carnal people that are moving in them. The Holy Spirit has his eye on that person that needs a healing. He has his eye on that person that needs a prophecy to encourage them and release them. The Holy Spirit may be using an immature blessing, but his eyes and blessing are not on the person that he's using. He's using them because he's looking at the person that needs a breakthrough. And so the operations of the gifts does not mean one moment that you have a maturity in your life. Some people try to make it out like if you want to move in healing like I've moved in healing, this is what you hear, then you need to pay the price that I've paid. Oh, really? Well, I thought Jesus paid the price for healing 2,000 years. And, and, and I understand that there's a sense of cooperation in the Holy Spirit. But if we're cooperating to get power in a gift of the Holy Spirit on the one side and we're hating our wife on the other side, there's a dissonance that's going on. Not a resonance, but there's a dissonance that is going to, maybe not to begin with, but further down the line, end up in disaster. It profits me nothing. So what profits you on this earth? What, what helps you on this earth? Well, love. Love, as you grow in love and the fruit of the, Everything that's happening in your life right now is to produce the love of God. Do you know that? What circumstances are you going through tonight? Difficult, maybe you're in a difficult time. God brings seasons into our lives. Sometimes it's a summer season. Enjoy it, relax, love it. What a great season with God. Enjoy it. That's important. There's a flowering, there's a bearing fruit, there's a, a harvesting of things that God has done and you're enjoying it. Brilliant. But sometimes God will bring you into an autumn winter time to kill some of the stuff that needs to be killed. And those beautiful trees that seem to be bearing such fruit, suddenly they begin to lose their leaves. Don't despair. It's a right season for you to be in. He's trying to produce a maturity of love, fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. God is at work as much in the autumn winter as he is in the spring summer, spring winter and there's new, new beginnings. Your heart is soil. Love is a fruit. So surely God's going to send us the four seasons into our lives and that there will be times of sowing, times of reaping, times of dying, times of living, times of new beginnings. These are important for us to understand because this is what brings us much gain. Much gain. The more we manifest and encounter and, re and release the love of God, 
that the Holy Spirit has poured into our heart from the beginning, the more stable we will be as Christians, the less the world will be in our lives or able to dominate, dominate us. If you want to be free as the Son wants you to be free, then allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of love to grow in your lives. Check out these characteristics in the Beatitudes. Check out the wisdom from above in James. Check out 1 Corinthians 13. Check out Galatians 5 and the fruits. Check out how Jesus, love in a body, uh, reacted to people, helped people, ministered to people, even rebuked people. Check these things out and say, how am I doing in the garden of the Lord that is, is my heart? Follow after love. This is a pursuit. This is a desire. This is a conscious decision to say, Lord, teach me the way of love. Teach me how to love. Because none of us know how to love by ourselves. Jesus is the great example. The Holy Spirit is the great encounter and the great teacher. This is a path that you can begin today or you can go back on today. The path of love. And let me say this as well, that the path of love is paved in prayer. Seriously, if you're going to get anything, get this. The path of love is paved in prayer. You can't walk in love unless you've got a Holy Ghost prayer life. Now, I don't suddenly want to heap coals on your head if you're struggling in your prayer life. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be seeking God for is an outbreak of prayer at the Energize Conference on the weekend, an anointing, a prayer anointing. Uh, and, and so I'm not, so, but I'm just saying to you, God is putting you in circumstances, not that you moan or faint, but that you take it to the Lord in prayer. To take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer until you've left it with the Lord in prayer. Every negative emotion, every negative feeling, anxiety, fear, anger, th these are not necessarily negative emotions. They're human emotions. It's what you do with them that counts. You can let this worry, anxiety, fear fester. You can let it out and hurt other people. Or you can take it to the Lord. And you, can, you literally can pray through your frustration your fear and your anger. Sometimes you have to take it to the Lord again and again and again, but after a while, you'll take it to the Lord and you'll find that it's left there. What does this do? It frees you up to walk the path of love you've paved in prayer. How can you love your enemy if, not only, if you've not only prayed for your enemy, but prayed for all the circumstances that God's will be done and not the enemy's will be done? You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to find it very difficult to pray for my enemy if my enemy's trying to kill me. So, well, first of all, I have to pray, Lord, you're in charge of my life. You know when I live and when I die. You know when every sparrow. So, Lord, please take total control of my life and let your will be done, not my enemies. And once I've taken that and birthed that in prayer and got to the place of growing faith and confidence in the Lord, then I can bless my enemy. Why? Because in prayer, I've reached the place or, or I'm reaching the place again and again and again where this enemy's got no power over me. Isn't it wonderful to look at Jesus and see how nobody had any power over him? One of the beautiful things about the New Testament church in the book of Acts is that nobody had any power over them. 
This is what people couldn't understand. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't get hold of them. You couldn't tell them what to do. You couldn't stick them in prison. Sometimes God would just let them out again. You couldn't kill them. If they were killing them, they were taking it as an opportunity to forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing, like Stephen. They were totally and utterly free. And they were radical and they were, I mean, they were free. I think one of the things that God wants to do in our lives is make us free. But not the way that we think freedom is. Freedom to do what we want. But to make us increasingly, I know it's a journey, it doesn't happen instant, increasingly free, free from the fear of what others can do to us. Well, how's that going to happen if it's not worked through in prayer? How are you going to, you, you, you can't walk the path of love, unless you pave it in believing, trusting prayer. And when you do it, I'll tell you what, it might be one pave and then another. And you might be doing it step by step, but you will walk on the road of love. God will give you great wisdom in these things. This is the way forward. So imagine, imagine a person who is fulfilling what we've just read in 1 Corinthians 13, moving powerfully in miracles, signs and wonders, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, unlocking situations and problems supernaturally. Imagine a person moving in these powerful gifts of healing and faith. And this person, according to the message version, is somebody who, who never gives up on you. Is somebody that cares more for others than their own self or ministry. Uh, doesn't want what you have just because they don't have it. Doesn't strut or go around showing off or wanting to put every miracle they've ever been used by on the front cover of a magazine in order to raise money. Imagine somebody who doesn't have a swelled head, yet they just spoke into your life a word that has changed your life. Imagine somebody moving in such miracle power, but they don't use it to force themselves on others or to make people obey them. They don't use the manifest power as, as, as power to, to say, look at me and, uh, and, and look at you. What about they don't keep the sins of others, people that abuse their blessing or their power? And uh, uh, What if they don't revel when others grovel? Oh, please pray for me. Lay your hand on my head, man of God or woman of God. Uh, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Loves it when other people are re released. Always looks for... Can you imagine? Isn't that amazing? Someone rooted in love, now moving in power. Now they didn't, like Jesus, they'd be going around, moving in power, yet rooted in love, seeing somebody in deep distress, someone in deep sickness, and saying, I'm being moved by compassion. Not power, but compassion. And going, look, I'm going to pray for your daughter to be healed, but don't tell anyone, all right? Because I'm not doing it for you to tell everyone. I just, I just moved with compassion, be healed. Remember what I said, don't tell anyone. Look at how oppressed you are in those chains. Thousands of demons. Come out of him. Now don't tell anyone. I didn't do this to publicise my ministry. I did it because I had great compassion on you. Jesus was moved in compassion. And what is compassion? Compassion to me is love in action. Love in motion. Love in movement. That's what compassion is. Love doesn't just 
stay stagnant, but love moves towards that which it has compassion about. Love moves in prayer. Prayer is moved by love. Love is, an, is a momentum coming from God towards you. Do you know God has such compassion on you tonight? Do you really know how compassionate he is on you? Or is there something going on that's blocked in your mind? How much he really, really loves you, really cares. And he is moving towards you this evening as he does every He's moving towards you. He is love in momentum, love in action, wanting to touch, wanting to create, wanting to change, wanting to guide, wanting to teach. teach. He's just wanting us to be able to receive. Don't underestimate, all right, let me put it a different way. Don't assume that you're open to receive from God. Don't assume. You know what they say about assume. Don't assume that you're open to receive from God. God may be doing things, saying things that are totally contrary to what you might be thinking. This is the beauty about walking with God. You can't second guess him. You think you've boxed him, then you've lost him. You've lost your pap. You think you've got it worked out. You've been to university, done your theology degree. You've been in the ministry for however many years. You think you've worked it out. (laughs) You've just lost anything that you've worked out because you've second guessed him. God is amazing. God is incredible. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Oh, no, we assume that they are. They're not. They're not your thoughts. He's probably thinking something totally different to what you think he's thinking. Well, whether he is or whether he isn't, that's the attitude that we should have. God is surprising. God makes love amazing. And the more that we are receiving and open, don't assume that you're open to receive God's love right now because you were a week or a month ago. Because we're open... We're going to see God moving in ways that we wouldn't see him open in our lives. Because we're open, we're going to see God in circumstances where if we were closed, we wouldn't see him in it. We're going to understand what God is doing in our lives a bit more because we're open. We say, all right, God, I I think I can see you in this, although nobody else can see you in it. What a wonderful thing. It's supernatural. It's above natural. It's beyond natural. It's something that makes sense of the natural, but is bigger than the natural, consumes the natural, has power over the natural. Love never fails. The natural will pass away. Even the supernatural gifts, Paul says, will pass away. But love will never pass away and it will never fail. Once we begin to move in greater manifestations of love, paving the way with prayer, There'll be times when it looks like what you did failed, just like what Jesus did on the cross, looked to nearly everybody that he failed. But love can't fail. If you lose the battle because you moved in love, don't worry, you've just strategically placed yourself to win the war. I mean, no wonder the early church turned the world upside down. They knew that as long as they walked in love and grew in love, they made their mistakes, they had their fallings out, but that is not an excuse, therefore not to go for the higher plane. But they loved, they were free, they were radical. 
They were in the world, but they were not of the world. They moved in great power, but often the power was in the nameless ones. It wasn't just the apostles that were working miracles. These miracles were house to house. They were left, right, and center. All the unnamed thousands that also took the gospel to far-flung places, and they came with power, but they also came with love. Jesus had compassion. I won't go into the scriptures, but in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, It talks about the fact he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them and he healed them. He healed them because he cared what they were going through. As I come to a close, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit being manifest, not because we're trying to get a trophy for God. And I think sometimes Pentecostals have been too busy trying to make something big out of actually something reasonably little. You know? And the question is, and I think it is a big question, that in the last hundred years of fresh Pentecost and the charismatic movement, have we really, really, really learnt how to handle the gifts properly, as Paul has said, rooted in love? Or are we really, you know, you hear people, I've heard people, not in this church obviously, I've heard people say, oh, what we need is a great revival. I want to see, I'm seeking God for signs and wonders and miracles and breakthroughs. I'm thinking, God, whatever you do, don't use him. (laughs) Bring the signs and wonders because we need them, don't we? To break open the atmosphere. I'm thinking, don't use him because it it doesn't take a degree in theology to work out where he's coming from. What he should be doing is pursuing love, not pursuing signs and wonders. I'm of the opinion that God is going to be moving stronger and stronger in signs and wonders amongst us. But but signs and wonders follow. They accompany. We We don't pursue signs and wonders. We don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow us. And that's why my verse says, follow after love, not signs. But it doesn't just say follow after love. It does say desire spiritual gifts. How? You're following love and now you're seeing people that are brokenhearted. You're following love and now your eyes are open to what it must feel for you to have that disease right now. Now you're following love and you're seeing somebody and you're thinking about a word that could just unlock their hearts in encouragement. You say, well, how do I move in the gifts of the Spirit? Well, you just trust and obey and love. The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, not sensational. They can appear sensational, but usually the way that they operate is supernatural, and sometimes it can be quite quiet. And often it's born of love or prayer. So, you, you, want, to, you want to move in prophecy? Here's a tip. Pray for people. Pray for people in your cell. As you're praying for people, pray for them. And who knows, you might get an intuition or a thought that you want to pray particularly for some aspect of their life. Do you know that could be God leading you prophetically to an area? Or you might be walking down the street and somebody appears in your mind or you think about someone. That could be God leading someone to come into your mind. You pray for them. As you pray, you're open for them. And then you get something. You just say, you know, I was praying for you last night and... And I I just felt God's love for you. And you just begin to slowly encourage them. You don't have to go straight into like, oh, when I see an angel, bring a message for you. You don't have to look, you don't have to say, 
just pray for someone and encourage them. I found that often the, the prophetic encouragement that can sometimes become, become even more supernatural. Remember, it, you can be just in your cell group or with a friend. Just begin, just pray for them there and then. Lord, I just pray for so and so and just bless them and pray for them. And just bless them in any way you feel. Oh, I bless them in this and I bless them in that and I pray for this and I pray. Just keep blessing them, keep loving them, keep praying. And you might find, and probably will, that when you're doing that, suddenly your blessing will take a avenue. It'll take a direction. And by the end of it, you'll go, wow, how did I end up praying down that route? You see, you care enough to pray. You pray enough to love and then God's gift comes. If you see someone that's sick, pray for them, especially in the house. But if there's people, if you've got a neighbour, ask them, just ask them. Hey, well, can I pray for you? They can only say no. Ask. That's loving, that's caring. Ask, move. A word of knowledge, what is that? It's an, intu it's an intuition that comes from God. It's a thought. It's a picture, it just comes to you. And normally with a word of knowledge, you normally just dismiss, oh, that's just me. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Is that word that you've got, are you going to pray it through for that person? Oh, I, I just felt that you were really sick last week. Yeah, I was. How did you know? I was on the inside of the world. I was. Well, I just want you to know I prayed for you. Well, that's love motivated. Follow these intuitions, especially if they're anchored in love. You know, oh, were you ill last, last week because I prayed for you? No, I was fine. Okay, but thanks for praying for me. Who knows? Maybe you stopped them getting ill. It's the direction of the heart that matters, doesn't it? And so these things, the prophecies, is basically encouragement that gets stronger with God. Healing, lay hands on the sick, it's the Holy Spirit that heals. A word of knowledge, when God just gives you a glimpse into someone's life you wouldn't know, for their benefit and the kingdom's benefit. Sometimes you have a word of knowledge and you never even tell them, you just pray for them. Oh, they're going through a difficult thing. God wants you to move in the spiritual gifts. And if you're a Christian here today, every single one of you can. You, you, you move in the simple act of love in a direction of the gifts and then the gifts will take, take you further. Don't look for the sensational all the time. It has to, if God speaks to me, it's going to have to be, he's going to have to open the, the heavens and say, this is my son, my beloved, or something like that. Intuitions that are moved by care, love, and affection for others and for the good of others, these things will move you into the gifts of the Spirit. And God is going to do miracles by your hands. That's why you need to be... Some of you, you can lay hands on the sick. You, you won't have any faith, but you'll just operate. But just because you care, you'll pray for them, and they're going to have rapid recoveries. Amen? Father, we just ask you to come into our lives right now. Pursue, follow love. Yet desire spiritual gifts on the journey of love. Lord, you want us Pentecostal in name and Pentecostal in nature. You want us bearing high, high, high revival levels of, of the fruit of love. And every one of us can open ourselves up. Thank you that it's fruit. You're the one that does it. We just cooperate with you. And high, high levels of the supernatural gifts, especially in strange places and quiet times. Lord, release the gifts of the Spirit amongst your people and again help them Lord to take those steps in the right direction
Help them to be ready to pray, to lay hands. Help them, especially in cell group environments, for there to be a place where the gifts can flow, where people are coming with a word or, or an encouragement or someone who's sick and they're Lord, let it become, let, let it become second nature to us, but let it not be our prime purpose. Let our prime purpose and focus be on love. Love. Lord, here we are today. And you love us. You love us with all, with all your heart. And you're pursuing us by your love. If there's anybody here today and you suffer any type of hearing problem, just stand to your feet right now, just where you are. Any type of hearing issue, just stand where you are. Let the Holy Spirit release in every person. Actually, just hold it, actually. In every eye. God is at work. I can feel it. In the lives of people here. Lord, we pray for those that have stood today with hearing difficulties. And we ask, Lord, you know what those difficulties are and you know how it affects their lives. And we pray for them, Father, as a congregation. We ask you, Lord, release into their ears the gift of healing and the gift of the miraculous now in Jesus' name. Release it. Work the works of God, Lord. Work the works of God. Work the word. Anybody that's suffering from organ problems, I've got liver in my mind, but any type of organ deficiency or anything like, like that, just stand where you are right now. Just stand where you are. It could be thyroid, it could be anything. You, you, know, you know what it is. If you're not sure, stand anyway. And just where you are, just receive. There's nothing that you can do about it right now. But we as a congregation can, each one of us, I'm counting on every single person that's staying seated to join me now. If you can see someone, upstairs they are, down here. Let's pray right now. God is the one that does these things. God loves these people more than we do. We know that not everybody always gets healed. Our hope is in the resurrection. But hey, God is wanting to move in greater manifestations of relief in the body of Christ. So, Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to send your Holy Spirit amongst those who have problems in their organs, glands, and we ask you, Lord, to release miracle power in the name of Jesus into their bodies and give them relief and healing in Jesus' mighty name. Just, you can stay standing, sit, but if you suffer from migraines, stand to your feet. If you suffer from migraines or pressure in the mind at times, you might not suffer now, but say you say, well, I don't have a migraine right now, but I do suffer from, stand to your feet right now. Everybody, just in your heart, speaking to the Lord. Father, we pray for those that suffer or are susceptible to migraines or all those types of forms. Lord, some of us know how horrible that can be. 
Lord, it doesn't serve your purposes. And we ask you in the name of Jesus to send a healing power, to send miracle power into the root of the causes of these migraines and to dismiss them from their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but there's, there's at least one person here and you are struggling with credit card, multiple credit card debt, multiple credit card debt. I know that in a crowd this size, there's probably suffering, people suffering with that anyway, you could say, but this is a, I believe this is a word of knowledge that God, God, you're suffering from multiple credit card debt and you don't know what to do. And, and it's just, just part, it's just part of your life. We're going to pray for you. But I also want to give wisdom to you. Don't leave it. Go and get help. I'm not saying from a, a loan shark or to get more, but there, there are places you can go, government agencies. I think you, you probably know of them already. You need to get practical help from a certified government agency that can help you solve and, st and, and face these things. This thing is eating you up, this multiple credit card. It's eating you up. Your quality of life, I'm talking about, about emotional quality. You're just, it's, this thing is destroying you. This thing is over you all the time. The moment, even when you feel any happiness or pleasure or, or, or release, suddenly this thing comes back to haunt you. We're going to pray that God will do something, a miracle in your life, but we're not just trusting that some miracle is going to happen. Some of you, whatever money you get, you're sticking it on the lottery. Lord, I believe the Lord is maybe showing me. You're sticking it on the lottery because what else are you going to do to get out of this? You need to get help. You can even ring us here at KT on our number and a pastor will help you get the right help. Uh, we know different places that you can go to, Christian organisations, proper organisations, to help you address it, to help you and stand with you to address this multiple credit card problem so that we can begin. God will do God's bit, but we can begin to address this. If you're in a cell group, speak to your cell leader. If not, like I said, ring us, help us, do something, do something. As we pray for you in the name of you. Lord, I pray for all those that are struggling in debt, not just this particular word of knowledge, but more general, Lord. Maybe there's some spin-off wisdom that has come to some people that now's the time to sort out their money. Now's the time. Not especially as we're coming into Christ Christmas. Release, Father, your wisdom for finances, your courage to face difficult financial situations. But also, Lord, although we're not going to trust and make decisions on this, I pray that you will bring financial deliverance too. But only, Lord, where there is also an increase in financial integrity and wisdom. Let the two go hand to hand. We pray for those that are in debt. We pray for those that are watching in debt on, t or on, on the internet. We pray for you too. Father, bring wisdom and courage to face these things in practical ways. But also we pray, Lord, release your blessing. Release your blessing as a father and your provision. Forgive us our financial mistakes. Forgive us our debts. And Lord, bring us to a different place. Lord, release your Holy Spirit to work in our debt, but also to work in our lives and circumstances that we can begin a journey short or long that will release us into a place of financial stability, freedom, and, uh, 
uh, and wisdom. Oh God, do it, Lord. 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 Release it, Father. Release it, Father. Those of you that are suffering skin conditions, pray for everybody in this place. Pray for all those in your heart right now. Say, Lord, in your heart, release healing into skin conditions. Not just to bring relief, but to bring miraculous healing from these skin conditions. In the name of Jesus, Father, we come to you. We've spoken about love and we've exalted love. But you also said, seek the gifts. And so we come to you seeking and believing that in this Pentecostal church tonight, you are releasing into people's lives healings, miracles, touches, wisdoms, prophecies, speaking into people's hearts. Lord, open the wells of the spiritual gifts. Lord, let signs and wonders follow us as we pursue love. God, 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 do something in us, in this church at this time. Lord, we were called Kensington Temple many, many years ago in our conception with George Jeffries. We were called the Church of the Great Physician. Well, we bring that back to you. We thank you for all the miracles that are taking place week by week and that we hear about. But Lord, we're asking for something greater. We're asking, Lord, for an outpouring of your love that will stabilize us to grow in power. Lord, as we pursue love, mature us, disciple us, grow us so that we can have more power. Lord, I also know that that goes for some of you in business that are here tonight. Some of you have got business plans, career plans. Career plans in business, business plans. Plans to create wealth. Well, the Lord, I believe, will be speaking to you tonight saying, pursue love. Pursue love and seek wealth. In other words, fight the, the wealth that you want is great power. The, the business success that you want will be power. Money is power. There's nothing wrong with money, it's how you use it. But if you choose to pursue love, what will you do, says the Lord, if I prosper you with that money? What if all your plans come to pass? What if the business takes off? What if your career plan? What if I should put my hand on your career and you should suddenly explode up the ladder of success? What would you be rooted in? What would you leave behind that was spiritual? What would you do with the money that I gave to you? We need to solve these issues now. I believe the Lord is speaking into some of we need to make you need to make some covenant covenant safety things to myself and to others if I'm going to put my hand and prosper you and you more than anybody are going to be need to be rooted in love if I'm going to make you rich for this kingdom. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is pouring out speech amongst us. Right there, some of you, God is just speaking to you tonight strongly. Calling you to him. Opening your heart and saying, I, I, hear, some, I hear God speaking to someone tonight. As if he's speaking to Adam. Where are you, Adam? That's what I hear. Where are you? You're hiding from God. Hiding in the shadows of your life. Hiding in the shadows of your life. Covering up with the leaves of, of present pleasure and material gain. God sees you where you are hiding. He doesn't speak to you in judgment but in longing and love and says it's your time. Where are you, O oh man? 
Where are you, O woman, hiding from God? Come out of the shadows, says the Lord, and into the light. It's time for you to shine, daughter. It's time for you to shine, son. It's time for you to leave those dark, shadowy places that you're living in and come into a place of light, bright sunshine. Arise, O sleeper, your light has come. Come out of your shadow and come into my light, says the Lord. He is speaking to people tonight. God is going to charge some of your prayer lives in the coming days. Right now, there's a prayer anointing coming upon some of you. Some of you, God's going to touch you in the middle of the night with a burden, a concern to pray about it. Don't turn over and go back to sleep. Pray it through. God's going to begin. Some of you have already got a prayer burden, but you haven't realized it. And that prayer burden actually is making you quite a miserable person because you're not releasing that burden. So you're looking at things and your heart is sad. You're looking at people's circumstances, people that you know, and you're really sad about situations, people that aren't safe, people around you. You're looking at world events, well maybe we're all like this, but this is particularly for you. You can apply it to everybody, but particularly for you, it resonates. You're looking at world events and your heart is so sorrowful, it's so down. You're looking around and you're actually quite a depressing person right now because of the things that you're seeing. But you see, you don't realise that's a burden to be prayed through. If you're worried about something that's going on in your nation, don't just worry about it and be depressed. Pray it through. Pray it through. Pray it through. All that God asks is that you do your share. You, you, you can't change everything, but you can change something you can do your share. This, and a prayer burden isn't an onerous, heavy, oppressive thing. It's a releasing thing. It takes your concerns, your sadness, your anxieties, your pains, and it turns them into something miraculous, positive in the kingdom of heaven that releases change into that area. God has put prayer burdens on some of you. If you haven't realised they're prayer burdens and you keep carrying those burdens that are prayer burdens without praying. What good's a prayer burden if you don't turn it into prayer? It's just a burden. And some of you, God is giving you insight that some of the burdens you're carrying are prayer burdens that are meant to be released and lightened through prayer. Stop carrying around the world on your shoulder when you can turn that world back up to God who does carry it on his shoulder. God's in control. Simple praying is the order of the day. Get that prayer burden back where it belongs, on the throne of the Father. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.